Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Writing Raw. Today's an awesome day. I am joined with Cam Cam. I've got Cobes, and then we have two guests. And the two guests are going to be... This is something very special because we're coming off of Father's Day. And two men, two leaders that I really revere in life. We've got Brandon and we have Matt. I appreciate you guys being here. Yeah, no worries. Well, thanks uh, for having Thanks me. for having us. Absolutely. Uh, the beauty of today... The beauty of this podcast, it's going to be about fatherhood, what we've learned, uh, what we've seen. I know in this room, Cam, you don't have any kids yet mm. that we know of. No, well, yeah. No kids that we know of. We'll say that. Um, Cobes, you're a hell of a father, man. I remember two years ago, or was it three years ago, when we went to the, the kite festival down in D.C. and just watching you there with, with your boy. And I actually, I wrote it down. I remember writing it down. I was saying, like, this dude is the best father of all time uh you have led me in so many ways and i'm i'm just i'm so proud to see you and to have you in my life so i i've always appreciated you um from brandon's perspective you've been around for 14 years i would say well going back to 2006 i've known you yeah so it's, it's been a while and then of course the boss of all bosses matt um <laughs> Matt, it's really special to have you here. You've got a little litter of, well, adults now. Yeah, all, all adults. Um, there, were, there were a lot of times when I refer back in a lot of these podcasts and a lot of my writings when I say that I had to cut out a lot of people from my life because I had to make room and for the energy and the knowledge, the experience, the wisdom. These are... These are the guys that I went to. This is the family. This is the table. These are, this is a majority of the table. So the goal today is to bring that wisdom, that experience that you've had throughout life, and to bring it here and put it on the airwaves. That way we can all hopefully learn from it. Um, when I was going through some of my really hard struggles, some of the things, even when I did talk to the therapist about it, they were looking at me like a deer in the headlights, if you will. But when I brought it to, you know, to you, Matt, you were able to meet me there, if you will. And I know that, well, from what I think is you've been there and I can kind of smell it in you. I can see it in your eyes. You've been there before. So when I would come to you with like, why is this happening? And you would have some insight because you, you've done it. You know? And I appreciate you for everything that you brought. But if we can, what I want you to do is kind of dive in a little bit. Sure. Um, three kids, twin boys, uh, one daughter. And with the mother for, I think we were married about six years. And then one day she rolled out and I became a single dad pretty much every night. So the lessons that I've learned going through this and having, you know, really get my shit together as a dad happened very fast. So I think we, we learned from experience and I had other people around me that were going through similar situations to where that's who I sought advice from, not from a therapist or from, you know, my parents and everybody else all well intentioned, but you got to go with somebody that's been through the shit before. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the people you trust. And I think that's where you find like as males, it's people that we trust. You've talked about this before and I can go to you with it. 
Yeah, you got to let that bravado go and and be vulnerable because it's a vulnerable conversation both ways because you're letting somebody in on your personal life and things that you had going on that maybe you don't share on the outside. So it's tearing down those walls and really getting after it and keeping it raw, as you guys like to say. (laughs) Yeah, we're keeping it raw. Uh so the kids now, so you, you had, there's not a lot of fathers that I've ever met who got full custody. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of crazy. I got residential custody. Um, not going to go into too many specifics in case they hear this cause it does no good. And Agreed. I think people forget that kids are involved when adults are going after each other because at the end of the day they're the ones that deal with it i think it adds to childhood trauma or can later on in life um so i'm not gonna speak a whole lot on it but yeah um it's it's been a road i don't regret any second of it no i i know you don't you talk about your kids all the time um and, and you could see it in you. You're, you're one of those ultimate, and you've been there throughout all the way up into adulthood. You were always involved. Yep. Extracurriculars, like full-on dad mode. That's what I see. So I've always respected you, always revered you, full-on dad mode. You did, you did it all. You did it all. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, you, you grow up very fast. No, absolutely. And I remember when I went through, the, through my break, one of the biggest things that I learned about myself was I lost my sense of a mission. And I think when, when, a, when a male or a man loses a mission, that's when they really get lost. And my mission, I found it through, through my kid. I know, Cobes, you found your mission through your kid and through spirituality, as Brandon put it the other day, because we were talking about this quite a bit. Um, your mission, Matt, uh, your kids. 100%. Um yeah, that's your life. Like, there's something to be said when you're dealing with people in a relationship. They have their own dependency and independency, but a kid has nothing but dependency. So that changes the game or should change the game for anybody that has children. Absolutely. And we were talking the other day about uh, as, as people grow – Right. We're in different generations. Yep. Yep. And you were you were making mention of like your kids and you're trying to understand your kids better. So you're reading the books. Yep. And you brought up the term. What was it? So one of the books I'm studying more. So I'd say studying more so than reading is Gen Z unfiltered. Gen Z. I think there's so many differences. Obviously, I'm a Gen Xer, but to relate to them and try to understand things without getting to a level of frustration because uh they are completely different oh Um, they absolutely so there's where's where's cam there's cam all right yammy what is what is this gen z what what are these terms so i think even uh even the terms themselves are a fairly new thing like i i've never heard of um baby boomers or gen z or gen x until kind of the gen x and gen z's were here um but i think it stems more of like sort of classify age ranges that's put really simply but the behaviors of certain age ranges so i don't let me know what i i think i'm technically gen z 
Um, mm. You might be on the cusp, like millennial, end of era yeah. to Gen Z. Yeah, millennial So you're probably Gen Z. a blend of both. Mm. Okay. Be yeah. my guess. And I think it's like, because we've talked about this before in the Gen Z, especially in the effects that it has on like kids or I guess that would they they would be young teenagers coming into adulthood now and uh like technology like electronics is a big thing when it comes to the generations um social problems because everybody's used to communicating through a screen or you know all this other so you run into a Gen Z or try to have conversations and it uh it's harder a lot harder especially from parents to children because you have the you know, baby boomers or Gen X's that grew up on this, and then the new young kids who don't know how to communicate, so how do you, how do you bridge that? that? Especially, Especially from a parent understand any of the stuff that the kid are communicating right. through. I've never heard of, like, a virtual relationship in my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but that's that's what's happening, and I think they're growing up with that iPhone or look at, little babies walking around with iPads mm-hmm. looking at YouTube videos and really they know more about that stupid iPad that I've had for 10 years <laughs> at four. Yeah. But what it's done statistically is socially and emotionally they're behind, but cognitively they're advanced. Mm-hmm. Just and they're also their, their biology is advanced for, and uh, you know, that we could argue with, the additives and preservatives and food and all the other shit that's put in there that's creating these problems. Yeah. I think a lot of the young kids with the iPods and iPads or whatever it is. Brandon iPods. iPads. Gen X. iPods. (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, they have a early form of addiction to it. You know, if you take it away man, they're, they're hurting, you know, just like an adult that if you took away some sort of drug they were addicted to, they have kind of the same withdrawals. Like Copenhagen, Coca-Cola. <laughs> I, I think the biggest gap that this creates is just communication because you don't know how to communicate to each other. The kid's not going to know how to communicate because they're just a kid. Um, and the only way they know how is through electronics or, you know, whatever. And then the parent doesn't know how to communicate because they don't understand the electronics that the kid is communicating through um just for an example but so if you can't talk then you just have separation and kid goes off do does whatever they want to do and the parents like why won't they listen to me because you don't know how to talk to them but we've also not let kids develop and grow so there is that part of it because we've taken everything away from them because we're so we're so worried about them failing Mm -hmm. and i think there's no other greater lesson than failure. And I think when we take that and we try to compete, like social media, you know, why does a three-year-old kid have a $100 pair of shoes on? Hmm. You know what I mean? Or I see it in baseball to where kids have a $400 bat and don't know how to use it <laughs> properly, right? Status. It is status. Yeah. It's like, look at me, look at my kid. My kid is perfect. And we're using them as more material than yes. parental. Mm. Like this book will blow your mind when they talk about school districts where they take away recess because they're worried about kids getting injured. Like how do how do they analyze risk? How do they know when to take risk? If mommy and daddy do everything for them, that's what they're used to. 
Well, and it's not even mommy and daddy doing everything for you. It's this 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 device is doing everything for you as well. Sure. It's keeping you entertained. It's babysitting you. So, if you look mentally at the mental health crisis, we'll just call it. We can say it was COVID. You know, COVID created a lot of it for, I'd say, millennial and Gen X, but a Gen Zer is used to not socially interacting, so they never lost anything, right? Yeah. There's a perfect example. We were talking yesterday about it, and uh, one of our coworkers was like, man, I, I loved the lockdown. You know, it was awesome. I just got to stay in my house. It was like, well, you don't like to go outside anyways. It was, it was your ideal life. Yeah. You don't have to go to work, play video games. And to me, and I know to a lot of people, that's just insane. Like, just to think, like, yeah, that's perfect life where I'm forced to be in my house and talk to people through, you know, games. Well, I think it was for a reason, too, because during the entirety of COVID, none of us here home right mm -hmm. and i'm not built for that anyway now a couple of weeks and i know brandon you know running this ship down here <laughs> guys you know some of them they really wanted time off because the rest of the world was in shutdown but we don't operate that way and that's the beauty of what we have sure to have these conversations yeah but you know the the crazy thing is and from a gen x to um looking at gen z and i'll use you know, my sons, their friends, that, that whole group of where they talk about anxiety and mental health issues. Why is it? Like, to me, they have, if everything is handed to them, why do they have such anxiety? And it really, the thing is, like, you have a computer in your hand, right? Everything they get, every tragedy, all the war stuff going on, it just plays in their head. And that's what they see. So they revert back. They don't even want to be adults. Like, look at the average person getting a driver's license. It's not 16. It's not a rite of passage anymore. There's, they're used to mommy, daddy, or whoever taking them to places and not taking risk and understanding risk-reward. Hmm. So it's... I think a, a really big part of... Because this is going to be... I. No, you guys are going to agree, but this is going to be a real hot take for the Internet is uh, awareness. Awareness is an amazing thing, like being aware of anxiety and people who suffer, you know, mentally and stuff like that. But it also offers this cop out of somebody who had a bad day at ninth grade and they're like, oh, I'm depressed. I have anxiety, you know, and you may. But it's also become this thing where it's like. I've seen a lot of places where it's like almost cool to have these ailments and everybody needs something, you know, to, to grasp onto instead of just dealing with life, you know. But we've taken that away from them. We've taken all risk away mm -hmm. associated. Well, if, if they do have that label of anxiety, it's it could be a reason for them if they do have a shortcoming in life or they're not performing and this, you know, there's a reason there's justification on why I can't compete as well as you. Yeah. Whereas, because everybody thinks like they're entitled to these things. But if you had, I get a get out of jail free card because uh, I have anxiety when I'm in large. No, man, you're going to just have to get in large groups eventually. It's going to have to happen. You, the prescription doesn't work anymore. Right. But if you put that label on yourself, then it's you have freedom to say these things. Right. Yeah. Like if you hurt yourself and you go take an aspirin, right, that's temporary relief. But. Did you ever think about people that take antidepressants? How long have they been on it? How's that working? 
We're great when they're on like, it. Like, sure. But then they're on it. They become chemically addicted. Their body chemistry changes, right? Mm-hmm. They can't but get over their depression without it. And if they do stop taking it, they need to take steps to get out of it. But they're so addicted to this stuff and say, hey, this is the easy way out rather than work hard at it. And again, like we're not doctors in here, right? Just mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe observers to things and uh, asking questions out loud to well, stimulate some of this, right? Yep, absolutely. And I do think that that is where a lot of people do fall short. They don't have the people to talk to like we have. That's why I started the podcast. The podcast isn't to gross a billion dollars and have a yacht. It's to establish trust and the other side like this is what i have i have this table of guys that i do trust and even with you brandon um like i went on the uh the anxiety medicine after you know all hell broke loose but i felt like i could talk to you about it and i would have these conversations and cobes was the same thing well years ago when you were up there by your truck you're like i was driving down the road and all of a sudden everything just zoned out it's like yeah that's to me that sounds like a panic attack i've had those um but to have that honest conversation. And I don't think that a lot of people, they do have that group or maybe they don't know that they have that group. Does that make sense? It it makes sense. And it is a blessing we all have for sure. And I would agree with you. I don't think everybody has that. And probably a lot of people don't. Uh, Yeah. But uh, on the, the note of the anxiety and you guys have talked about it before, I think, what has happened is with these phones and cam like we, we were saying you know it's all through social you get everything your information so all of these kids they get instant gratification when they send a text message to their friends hey what's everybody doing tonight and if they don't hear anything back then all of a sudden they become a little bit anxious mm, right because they don't have that instant gratification so it's similar when they have anxiety and they cannot get that instant gratification. And so then when a doctor prescribes them something, they're like, fix. okay, here's my instant gratification. Now I'm better with this medicine for yeah. the half hour, for hour, however long it lasts. Hmm. I said dopamine drug, dog. Yeah, that quick fix. I don't, I don't want to, because I feel like what I said might get misconstrued a little bit. I don't, I don't want to say, because this is what we're all about, is like, don't just stick it through and anxiety isn't real. But I was more along the lines of what you guys are clarifying is instead of using it as a crutch or an excuse or, you know, looking for medicine for it, like this is what this is what we've done instead. Obviously, like you just said, two people at least in here have had experience with anxiety and stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's constructive ways to... Yeah. Do with your problems. Well, uh, all four of us that I know, you know, Cobra, Dave, Matt, the struggles you guys went through and what you said at the very beginning when Dave went to you because you have this experience. It's so awesome that, as bad as this sounds, that you went through this terrible time because it made you stronger and it's helped everybody else. But uh, as as you went through it, Dave, Cobra, and Matt, I had a front row seat. All of, you know, there were different times when Matt was going through it. We just happened to be working in that truck side by side. Yep. 
And man, I know he's had anxiety, anxious moments, anxious weeks. You know, Dave's a long time, Cobra's. Both Dave and I are fidgeting right now. I'm playing (laughs) with my ring and Dave's got some... Yeah. I don't know, stress and, donut or something. Yeah, and I, I've had it, uh, so I know four out of five, and Cam, maybe you've had some, and maybe you haven't, but mm. maybe you've had it and just don't know it. But, uh, yeah, it's a very common thing, and for some people it takes medicine, but, uh, you know, I think that you also have to work on itself to get through it. Mm-hmm. You do have to work on it. So even if, like right now, if my kid, let's say in X amount of years, he's going to have a phone, it's going to happen, right? He's sure. a part of the Gen Z. Oh, and I actually, I looked this up just so for the people out there who are listening, like, what is all this Gen Z and all this stuff? Because I didn't know. But Gen Z is the age of 15 through 24. Millennials is 25 through 39. Gen X is 40 through 54. And Baby Boomers is 55 and over. So my kid easily falls into the Gen Z pack. My goal as a dad is to establish trust and to continue establishing trust with him so that he, when he does come to me and says, Dad, I have anxiety. It's like, where, where the hell did you learn that word? But he's going to have his phone. It's all over social media, all these key tagged words, right? Dad, I feel like I have anxiety. I'm going to respect it and say, like, well, and, and hopefully enough trust is established to where he can say that to me and hopefully i've established enough trust where he can tell me how i can establish more trust for us to dive into it and if need to be you get additional help because i i I honestly do believe a miscommunication between those four things millennials gen x whatever it is it's back in my day we didn't go to the doctor to get anxiety medicine back in my day we went fishing we like zoned out, but this isn't our. I feel day personally attacked right now. No, I'm just no, no. saying. <laughs> Thank you. But but like back in my day, this is the way we handled this. Well, this isn't our day anymore. Just like your mission is for your kids. Right, and that's why I'm trying to better understand exactly them because you got to do some research. Like, well, that's it, key right there because a lot of people don't. They don't do the research. I, I see it every day, where people are not that involved and they get easily frustrated Mm -hmm. with people and they don't take the time to understand them. I'd rather try to understand them to still become a better parent, even Mm -hmm. though they're adults, but they're still your mission. They're still my children. Exactly. And that's the thing that, that I don't think, and maybe as, as dads or as fathers, Maybe they don't understand. This is from my perspective, what I see out here, because we see a lot of dads, the conviction that we have for them. What are you willing to do for your kids? Whatever it takes. It, whatever it takes. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Do you, like, do you even understand the, the level of devotion that's here? And maybe they don't. Like, I will tear this place to pieces for you. That's what I'll do. So trust me and, and at least tell me how I can establish enough trust so we can talk about it. I... I want to say, I'm sure you know this, but the fact that you not only like put in the effort to like understand your kids is, I mean, more than probably 95% of parents do and 99% of fathers do, you know, that's even from my personal experience, um, I've had to work, I've said this plenty of times before, but my dad is fantastic. Um, 
have nothing, no complaints about him. I love him, everything. But I can't say that he would ever bother to pick up a book to try and understand me a little more. I've I've always worked to mesh with him, um, and I think that's the old dog, new tricks kind of thing. So I think I feel that friction, that frustration some days in dealing with certain situations with them, and it's because I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So... You know, yeah. well, with your with your typical male like Cam, your dad, I love your dad. He's a good dude. Mm-hmm. But in your dad's mind, um, or I think the way that Western culture has taught us is, as a dad, I've provided the things for you that you need to succeed. I gave you the tools that they told me you needed. You had your room. I gave you electricity. Gave you running water. I gave you the, essentially, it's like the base essentials for Western mm-hmm. society. You know, I got you your car. I paid for your. Your cell phone, like I, I even went above and beyond and went to some of your basketball games. Mm-hmm. You know what else? And I, I was guilty of saying this quite a bit back in, you know, back in the day as well, a couple years ago. What else do you want from me? That's what I was telling the world. What else do you want from me? And it's like, and if it's the people that are your mission, your values, they want everything, and they, to me, they deserve it. You deserve everything. So I think you can look back. There's no instruction manual to be a parent. There's plenty of books, and most of them are shit written by people that don't have kids. <laughs> uh, but growing up, however you grew up, good or bad, you're going to take some of those tenets from your family when you become that parent. And there's things that, okay, I understand that now, and I'm going to continue that on. And there's going to be things like, I'm not doing that with my kid, right? It's a continuum. Mm-hmm growth process to to be a better parent it there's no right or wrong answer your dad does what he does Mm -hmm. like maybe that's how he was raised or if you fall back other generations and how that was raised it's like you know dave we talked about that book in the oprah book club and i forget the doctor but what happened to you Mm -hmm. like you start reading that and then looking back at some uh people whether it's your parents or relatives or other people you've dealt with in the past and you start to make amends in your mind this is the reason they are the way they are yeah well that was one of the inspirations for me to even to start writing it was like the what happens if if somebody can just give me and that's one thing that uh that cobra and and cam and i are working on is building this program so that we can coach because it's, it's the biggest thing that Cobes and I talked about, it took us two years plus two years plus talking to all this experience and this wisdom to find six, six phases. There were six phases that we were looking for that we had to find ourselves because there was no book. There was no thing that said, hey, guy, look at, you know what I mean? Right. Um, there was nothing out there. So it's like, cool, let's have these conversations on the podcast. Let's, I'm going to dive deep into the captions. And then it's like, no, we can take this a step further because there are people out there just circling and they're just looking for guidance. The what happened to you book, it kind of tells you this is what's up. This is what can happen in your, your, you know, your, your childhood trauma, even when you're four months old. That, and you can't remember back that far, but it's built into your brainstem. It's just it's in there. Right. Hmm. And if you, do, if you never knew that in the first place, like that actually makes sense. So now I can continue on with my process. Hmm. So I, wa- I want to pose something to you I feel like it doesn't get better than this audience wise um, I'm sure you've heard the saying 
what is it? I don't even know where it starts, but hard times uh, make hard people. Hard people make uh, soft people. Soft people make soft times. You know, that that loop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know from hearing from Dave's experiences, he's he's building a little warrior. That, that little dude is going to be as bad as they come. And uh, so you're not you're not offering your hard time to take the hit and give them a know, soft space. It's yeah. not going to happen. So I know how you're like circumventing that, but how do uh, how do y'all you know go at that in life to say I'm not going to make it easy for them just so that they can live? Well, I think that's where the guidance of the parent comes in. Uh, to me, it's almost as simple as that. Because a lot of parents, they come in and they're like, man, I had a hard time mm-hmm. uh, uh, across with this saying that you're speaking of. So they had a hard time. Like, man, my kid is going to have it easy. I'm going to work my butt off to try to make it so my kid doesn't have to work hard. And then if that happens, then the kid's not working hard. When that kid is growing, what kind of challenges does he have and how does he face them? Mm. Does he win those challenges? Does he lose those challenges? Or does he not even challenge himself? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, is for me, I'm not going to put my kid in like bad situations. What I am going to do is I'm not going to candy coat life. And he's going to have a whole tool belt full of tools. And he's going to have, you know, and it's not going to be like cheat sheets, but he's going to have the lesson plan. He's going to understand the, the, some of the key takeaways. And I, I constantly say this over and over and over. Emotional maturity is huge. I could have never had a conversation with people without, you know, checking my emotion maturity. I was leading through life with my ego, like we talked about a little bit earlier, instead of harnessing and controlling my ego. Those two things right there can get you through a conversation and to have a real, real conversation with people. Trust. Always continue to establish trust. I do think that as... Uh, Western society males, and I don't know if it's the same across the board, just looking at it here in the States. But when we do get the house, get the running water, pay the insurance, we're 40, we got the retirement, and we're vacationing down to, I don't know, outer banks every couple times a year. It's like... Again, I feel attacked. (laughs) It's at that point, it's like, all right, I've achieved everything that was expected of me, and I'm good. No, you have to continue establishing trust. You have to. And even if, if you don't know how to establish more trust, ask that person, whatever relationship it is, like, how can I continue to establish this trust with you? And I do think a lot of it is if they see that you're growing. And if you're growing and you're still investing in yourself, because time is of the essence, that's all we have is time. Uh, I have no money left. The only thing I have is time. And I spend it very wisely. So instead of vegging out, and of course, watching your Netflix episodes or whatever it is is good. But invest in yourself because the world around you, we should be leaving this place in a better way than when we came. Agreed. And Cam, to answer your question, for my kids, growing up, it was all about sports. Mm -hmm. And I think sports, especially, I'll use baseball. Baseball is built off a game of failure. So... Like if they wanted to play soccer, you're going to play soccer, you're not quitting. Like I don't care if you don't like it, you're going to show up every week. And baseball became that almost thing that we all connected to, at least my sons and myself, and they grew from that. Like you're, 
you never want to see your kid fail, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not going to let them fail to a point to where it's going to be detrimental. So, you know, if they had issues in school, okay, you're going to talk to a teacher. I don't want to talk to a teacher. I don't, I don't care. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. And once you establish that, then we'll start working at other things. So hard, soft. I, so you have a fine line that you're dancing of protection versus lessons. You know. Y- yes, they they got to learn how to take risk and they have to take responsibility. That's a bigger word, right? Responsibility mm-hmm. for their actions. Yeah, I, I think for for what I've learned so far in these few short years of being a parent though, it's establishing like the safe boundaries without helicoptering. It's, yep. I know, it's I've been through life. I know be curious, like step over those lines. But I will have some boundaries out there for you because you don't really know yet. Yeah, you got to kind of give them that room, right? It's it's that left and right boundary and let them kind of figure out that. Like, let them fall off the swing set. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, if they trip and fall or they're playing football and they get tackled, okay. Yeah, because life is going to hit you. And actually... One of the things I played for my sons their senior year was that clip from Rocky when him and his son talked. And his son was all mad because of what his dad was doing. And he talked about life, and life will hit you in the mouth. And there's things that you can't come back from with that. And that's not the person that he raised his son to be, right? So I even listened to it this morning kind of get my head right for this because that was you know important to them at the time of that lesson to be learned because you're not going to quit things suck things are going to get you down you're going to fail you're going to get bad grades but it's how you come up from that is determine your outcome so and and you're so much better for it uh, once you have succeeded after a failure right because now you just proved to yourself that you could do the things that you didn't think you could do and then the next challenge you have you may fail at that again but uh, perhaps you succeed and the reason you succeed is because you fought through the last time and now you know yeah i can kick some ass here yeah do you ever think um so let's say it's something bigger than failing at a baseball game. Let's say one of the boys, they're in a relationship, high school, girlfriend breaks up with them, breaks their heart. We could say you're going to bounce back from this. Just, you know, you're, you're going to come back. You're going to succeed. Yeah, and I, and I dealt with it, and I've said some things that from my generation, and they looked at me like I had three heads, and I don't think I helped the situation at all. Well, and, and I want to, that's what I want to kind of tear open, if you will. Uh, I do think as males that were here in this world, we were taught uh, to bounce back as fast as possible. I was taught that the definition of resiliency was come back as fast as possible. When it, I do believe now, in fact, that that was detrimental to me. Uh, when the breakup happened, I was trying to bounce back as fast as possible. So you get into another relationship, get into another. Re- I'm just causing chaos. And what I really needed to do was just sit there in the dark for a minute to really learn a lesson. 
to just sit there. You have to just sit there for a while. That's why I locked myself away for a couple of years. So I think, you know, high school, first loves, that kind of thing. It's a little, it's like puppy love, right? Absolutely. Versus being married and, and having this relationship with another person, whether male, female, whatever your flavor. But like for me, I took a year off. Like I wanted to learn more about myself. Right before I could give myself to somebody else. But but in the grand scheme of things, like the boys, that puppy love that they've had, that's maybe one of the deepest types of love that they've ever experienced. Yeah, it's their it's their whole world in comparison Correct. to what you're saying, Matt. Uh, it's not the same as marriage, but they don't know that yet. Right. You know, but but it is probably the most devastating thing that has ever happened to them. Yep. And for the father, if it was to Matt or you to say to your kids, hey, you're going to get through this. Just give it some time. It would be the same when <laughs> Matt nothing. was going through, you were going through it. Going, hey, Phallus, you're going to get through this, and it's going to be all right. And you guys are going to say, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, those are the people that I started cutting away from the table, you know. Those were the people I started cutting away from the table. You're very strong, all these accolades. You're, you've got all this stuff going for you. You're going to be okay. I'm dying right now. Can you not? And those were the people that, to me, the way that I saw it was, you don't have that same look in your eyes, so you've never felt this before. So I'm not going to, and it's essentially waste my time talking to you about it. Yeah, I'd I- rather go to Brandon, which I did, and... and how many times did I go over the same points with you over and over and over? Oh, it was uh, countless times. I, I couldn't even put a number on it. But, uh, you know, you have to let them, you have to let them keep talking. And you just got to keep listening. And if you do have something to say in there, you know, hopefully it's the right thing. And oftentimes you do screw it up, but it's not out of malice malice yeah it, it's out of love mm-hmm. and you know you might feel bad later but hey you just say hey let's do it again hey let's go over it again tell me tell me your problems i'll keep listening and the awesome caveat to that so i'm going to kind of like change gears here the same thing you just said just let them keep asking keep asking keep asking and you just you just have to listen and it's i'm asking questions because i'm curious about something and i'm trying to solve i'm curious so I'm going to put it in the same terms as my kid right now. And my kid is still at that beautiful, innocent, curious stage. And we were in the car. So there's like two little stories here. We were in the car. He looks up at the sky and he says, Dad, the, the moon and the, sky, and the sun are in the sky at the same time. How is that possible? Like, that's actually a pretty good question. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be like, what are you doing up there, man? So when we get home, we look it up together. I allowed him to be curious. This weekend, uh, the dog had gotten into the sprinkler, and I'm trying to deal with this little monster. And I'm trying. I'm in the kitchen. I'm cooking dinner, and the kid comes from across the house, and he says, "Hey, Dad." And I could tell it's one of those questions where it's like he's going to ask one of those little curious right. questions. And I said, "What?" And he stopped. And it's the first time I've seen his innocence stop dead in front of me. And he grabbed his finger, and his all of his nonverbals changed. And then he he changed up the question and he said, dad, why is it sometimes when I ask, when I come up and I say, Hey dad, you always say it like that. You say what? And I was like, Oh my God, 
I'm killing the kid's curiosity right now. Right? And right. right there, I'm breaking down his trust. And it's for, and looking at it in hindsight, that question that he was coming to me with, which could have been one of the key answers to the universe or whatever, uh, I'll never hear that question because I kind of, I lost my composure. And the goal for me now is to rebuild that trust so he will c continue coming back. Sure. And staying curious. He's lost no trust in you. No. <laughs> But, I mean, it, you, you're right to feel that way in that sense, but I think you're being a little bit harder on yourself, especially at that age. Yep. Versus it's, as they get older and those things happen, now it, they're seeking whatever advice, question, getting answers from who knows where. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, you're going to feel bad because you're going to say things you wish you hadn't said. Absolutely. You know, I've, my parents even to this day, has said to all of me and my sisters, like, man, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, we're sh sure glad you turned out all right. And, and I, I, it figured to me, as I observed it, uh, they really knew what they were doing. And, uh, you know, it was a wonderful upbringing. But uh, they've said plenty of things that they still feel a little bit bad about, which uh, us kids, we don't even remember. Yeah. But it made you who the person you are today. Yeah. Right. You turned out okay-ish, I guess. I would say. I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's Ish. similar in this job we have, you know, the different areas when somebody comes to you and is kind of spontaneously, you say something and then you think it over an hour or two or a day later and like, man, I shouldn't have said that. I could have handled it way better, you know, and uh, it's not much to just go apologize and say, oh, hey, sorry about that. I shouldn't have said that how I said it. What I should have said was this. Sure. Yeah. And it's same, similar to with your kids. It may hurt the kid a little more because, you know, your family. But uh, sometimes it won't even hurt the kid at all. But we're all human. Right. And right. That's a lesson in of itself. It's all lessons. And it's all learning, and the learning begat trust. I mean, there's so much growing. That's the thing, growing. The learning begat growing. So, yeah. And you're speaking about trust, and just to go over what we had said maybe a half hour ago, the, what we have here, and everybody in this room, I trust completely with my life. If I needed anything, I know all I need to do is call or send a text and say, hey, uh, you know, and I hope other people can find that as well. Yeah. Or if, and hopefully it's something that, uh, that Cobes and Cam and I, we can launch hopefully in the next couple of months. That way we can show people how to do it. That way you can intrinsically, independently do it yourself so you can be that person for other people to lean on. So yeah, that street therapy. Street therapy. I'm telling you, from this space that I'm at right now, and I could see it in, in Cobe's eyes because we, we've seen oh, not the pain. Today. He's looking a little down, but I get it. <laughs> but w coming from this place of like just true peace, and just calling it for what it is, and being that trusting source, you know, when somebody comes into what it, what I've been told is, when I come into your energy, I can just feel that it's just spilling out of you, and it is, because that's the you know you've been down so far, and this is the come up. And right now, we're taking off into the stars. 
that's the energy behind it. And I think energy is so important. And I think that's one of the things now that my kids are older, trying to get them to understand, like, I look at energy and time, sort of the same currency, but, you know, there's things I just won't give my energy to anymore. Mm, yeah. Like if somebody pisses me off or some, some situation happens or I, I just don't give it energy because my time is valuable and I'm wasting it being mad or upset about something that's out of my control. Absolutely. And it, and it doesn't matter. It's a, a lot of these things. It doesn't matter. No. And, but sometimes it's hard to practice that, uh, you know, but it, if, it is, it takes time. Yeah. But if you continually practice it uh, pretty quick, it becomes natural to you. Sure. I just, I think it's the greatest thing you can teach somebody is, you know, that, energy response that emotional intelligence like it's huge and i don't think people understand how big it is mm. yeah and sometimes uh, the no response is one of the better responses you can give yeah <laughs> it is powerful it's the loudest one <laughs> it is powerful so i know i've asked uh i've asked you guys but i want to direct this at matt do you think that the lessons that you've learned and the lessons that you're passing on to your sons do you think it's a requirement to hit that bottom and learn them, or do you think they're teachable? Mm. That's that deep question. So I think when I was a kid, I was told never to stick anything in an electrical socket, right? <laughs> so guess what I did? I took a butter knife, stuck it in there, learned my lesson. <laughs> um, I think life and experience is teachable, but sometimes people have to experience it for themselves to under, have a better understanding. Like, you know, I try to teach my kids to be good humans. Like, and fit in life wherever you think you fit in. Like, there was no perfect mold. I didn't want to see them be executives at some corporation. Like, my daughter wanted to be a nurse. She's crushing it. That was her goal. And my job was to support it. But along the way, there's little lessons about failure. Or you failed a class, like, okay, now you're paying for it. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing with my my boys. Uh, you know, I, I know that they're good human beings. They're, I get told that, even though as a parent, you don't always see that in your children because something happened that spurred you to think differently. Mm -hmm. But they could go up to Cobra and introduce themselves, shake his hand. You know what I mean? Look, look at him in the face. It was small details. But life lessons, I mean, I think they have to experience to grow. Okay. I like how you said, and may, maybe you could elaborate for me, but you said, uh, like, your daughter fails a class and you said you're paying for it. You mean that as, like, you're, you're paying your due to learn this lesson. Is that how you Yeah, met that? I mean... I like that a lot. That was uh, one of the things, like, hey, we're going to pay for your college, but if you fail class, you have to still take that class. Now, it's not me paying, it's you paying it. Mm. So it's different when it comes out of their account <laughs> versus yours, right? Yeah. So I think there was a little bit of a lesson learned there, and now she pays her own way through college. Mm-hmm to get her bachelor's on her own. But I think that kind of set her up to better understand those things too. Yeah. Accountability. 
like Kirby said. hundred percent, because it's easy to point fingers and blame a teacher. This happened. I don't like this. Whatever. But the reality is, you still got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's funny how people learn that in different ways. Short story with racing. I I had 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 somebody hit me before. I remember being so mad at my dad. Um, and I came back and I wanted to go like beat the kid up. I was like, he took me out and all this other stuff. And my dad said, "Why'd you let him be so close to you?" And I said, "This is not my fault. <laughs> what do you mean, man?" And uh, it was one of those things, like, you, you put yourself in a position to get taken advantage of. And I, I had to learn it then, but it had me mad for a second. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. All right, we're coming up in an hour. Uh, I appreciate you guys being here, Brandon, Matt. Your wisdom, again, your stories, it's always a blessing. Cam, Cobra. Mm. We're going to do this again soon. Um. If everybody can through the podcast, send it. When we talk about having groups and and having people that we can lean on, send this podcast out. Send it out to the people to that way we can start all start learning together. Help me establish or spread more love into the world so that our kids can grow in in better environments. So that's what we're looking for. That's that's the goal of all this to create a better environment for the kids. I appreciate everybody having an awesome weekend, and that's it.